Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast with your host, Andy Addis, and special guest, Mark Clifton. We plant the seeds in the ground, though the fields have long been brown. But Lord, when will your harvest come in? I'm giving all I've got to give in the place where I've been sent. But will my labor make much difference in the end? Will no one ever know? Sometimes I feel so all alone. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope. That church on the corner of that forgotten little town To a room of empty peers where his love can still be found You may never know of all the seeds you sow But it just takes one willing soul to make him know Mm-mm. Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast. We want to pour into, partner with, and pat on the back the Rural Pastor because what you're doing is important. We are back for part two of a two-week uh, series on preaching, and I have two great friends with me here and co-workers. I have Pastor Ryan Booth and Pastor Shane Marks, who are part of the teaching team with me at Cross Point Church. Now, if you'd like to check us out, you can see these guys because, uh, boy, they are some eye candy, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> Hey, you can see videos at crosspointchurch.com. We have, gosh, I think close to 10 years worth of content on there. And uh, of course, I, I'm, I'm the, the vast majority of those. But here recently, we've we've really tried to adopt a teaching team model. And you're going to see a lot more of these guys. And we have been talking about preaching. And I, won, I, I gave them a little bit of a heads up, like almost three minutes on, on this question. Um, but uh, we've all been there. We've all done it. What is the biggest mistake, the, the biggest bomb you ever dropped in preaching? And, and we know it's the Word of God. You can't mess up God's Word, but you can certainly mess up your own words. Uh, and so I, you guys want to start or you want me to start? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely has to do with anecdotes, stories told, ones that seemed good in prep that then the second they come out of your mouth. Like I remember one time I was sharing a story about tent camping and how... I heard this growl outside and I was just like really startled and I really played up the story all to find out it was just my wife snoring next to me. <laughs> and when I shared it, it, I just thought like, Oh, that didn't come out right. Like, and then I thought it didn't come out right. That was, should have never been shared. And so I look back at things like that and I think, Oh, that's not good. You, yeah. you know what I love about that story? Is if you just shared it again? <laughs> but see, that's the nature of the question, right? No, I know Tara snores. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Ryan. That yeah. was that was very valuable. Yeah, I I honestly think it was I think it was just a, a year ago where I it's just, again a story where in my own life it seemed funny and relevant. Uh, or I tried to murder a dog because it bur- <laughs> barked outside my window for like two years straight and I couldn't handle it anymore. So I, I tried to kill the dog and it didn't work. The dog is still alive. Uh, but, but yeah, people, I don't like, I don't particularly like dogs. And so it was a fine story to me, but uh, I, I guess I found out there's a lot of people that really like dogs yeah, that didn't did. like that story. 
I'm disturbed just hearing it. Because I'll tell you the whole thing later. <laughs> I, I was there. I remember squeezing Kathy's arm going, he's going to get letters. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to know that made your top 10 list. Yeah, of. probably yeah. shouldn't share that again. Uh, for me, uh, I remember I, I had, um, I worked for, in seminary, Shannon Rose Hill Funeral Home. And so I did, in Fort Worth, did funerals for anybody who died without a church but said they were Baptist. So that was... Everybody. And so I was literally doing two, three, four, five funerals a week, and I kind of got in a bad rhythm. And I was doing a funeral for actually a member of the church that I was pastoring and did not find out until I was done that I called him by his brother's name the entire time, who was sitting there (laughs) as a survivor. And they, they just all looked at me the whole time, and I thought, man, I'm getting some cold shoulders. I literally... Misnamed the deceased oh, the entire that's really time. Awkward. I just wrote it down wrong. Yeah, no, it was bad. It was bad. See, you guys are funny. I, I destroyed something, <laughs> but we we've all made mistakes. Can we just all agree with that? If you're gonna preach, if you're gonna talk every weekend for years, you're gonna have some mistakes. That's just like last week we said. You don't have to hit a home run every weekend. <laughs> Sometimes you're gonna strike out. Uh, that's just that's just the way it is. And so, how do we get to a place where we can do the best that we can do? Well, I want to introduce you to a verse. We read it at the end of the last podcast. But we're going to do a deep dive on it now. It's Second Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen, and it says this: Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, four simple truths I want to pull out of this verse to encourage us as preachers, but the first one is this, that preaching is actually a unique expression of God. Now, God is universal. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but it's unique because it says, do your best. And it's literally, that word best means be zealous. It's spude, uh, that we should deliver zealously. And as we do this, what we're what we're seeing is that God actually wants to use you, your experiences, your personality, how he made you in a unique expression of himself. It's still the same truth, but it's told uniquely in the accent of you. And it, it, is that freeing to you as you think about something like that? Yeah, well, I remember, uh, you know, prior to coming to Crosspoint, I I hadn't had very much preaching experience. Uh, I probably preached, I don't know, six, seven times and and then started preaching. And, and I had, again, no preaching classes. Even at that point, I had just began seminary. Mm. And uh, I remember coming, and, and Andy, your preaching style is much different than my style. Yeah. And I remember thinking, do I have to do like Andy does? Do I have to like, you know, you, you ask for call and response a lot, which is kind of your style. Mm-hmm. And I remember kind of wrestling internally, internally, like, well, that's maybe what they're used to. Maybe I need to do it that way. And, and then coming, just coming to the spring moment of like, no, that's, that's, that's Andy's, that's how God's gifted right. Andy. And, and that's, I don't feel that's not me. And so it was this, this kind of freeing unique thing of like, no, that's, that's not me. It's Andy. And let that be Andy and let me be me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. The guilt that we feel as preachers, uh, that God gave us a personality, <laughs> sometimes is misplaced. Like, it's okay that he designed us the way that he did. Now, we don't want that to be uh, the lead or the star of the show, obviously, and you can press too much into your own personality, but to completely throw it away and to say, you know what, um, that's that's somehow wrong or amiss on God's part. Like, he knows who you are, and he will use the way he designed you and gifted you in a way that blesses that congregation. A hundred percent. Before I went to seminary to learn to preach, 
I had already been pastoring for, you know, four or five years. And then I also had a degree in communication and I was a debater at the collegiate level. And I, so I had, I had all these other things that I brought with me into preaching class. And I remember at Southwestern Seminary, had to preach your 10 minute message after we learned the phasal method of, you know, putting it all together. And I got up and delivered my message and they recorded it on a VCR tape. Now for you young pastors, this is a digital, uh, analog to digital device. Uh, but you had to take that tape and then sit down with your professor and watch it later in the week. So we went in this little cubicle of a room. I handed him the tape. He put it in and we both just stared at this little eight inch screen. <laughs> and, uh, and he gets about two minutes into my 10 minute message and just hits stop. But he doesn't even look at me. He just sits back in the chair and he goes, Mr. Addis, we have a problem. I said, yes, sir. He goes, you don't do anything that you're told. I went, oh no. He goes, but that's not the problem. The problem is you're incredibly effective. He goes, so I'm going to pass you, and you're going to tell nobody you took my class until I die. <laughs> and he, he passed away a few years ago, so I, I can tell that story now. But what he ev- eventually did, what it, it was so good because he was teaching a homiletics, and this is how you do this, and he said, that's not going to work for you. You be you. And just do, it, God's using that, just do that. He said, just don't put my name on it anywhere. <laughs> uh, and so that, that's a unique expression. However God made you, be that. Matter of fact, I love this thought. Just when you preach, be Jesus with your accent, right? Speak the words of Christ, but let them have your twang on them. That's, that's all that really is. Here's the second thing. A preaching is a presentation made to God. And I know this is really difficult because we think about audience analysis and what is the congregation going to think and how do we communicate to them. But what does it say? Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. And we know that we play for an audience of one, but it's really interesting to think that in the context of preaching that we should think about that as well. We, we always, think, always think, what does my congregation need to hear versus what does God want me to say? Uh, the best preaching, I believe, is actually you speaking to and about God, but overheard by the congregation. I mean, if you could really get that down, you would no longer worry about what anybody else thought. It's about, it's about you communicating with God and the people overhearing. Because it's not when you lift him up that people are drawn to him. When he is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself, right? So here's the thought. A preaching, uh, how do you keep yourself from being overly excited about how do I connect with the congregation versus how do I please God? Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it sounds simple, but prayer. I know for me, even before study begins, it's praying. It's, Lord, let this honor you. Help me in this. So it's putting God at the beginning of, even that you're all study, as you begin reading the passage even. It's, it's God, this this is for you. I mean, Colossians 3, that like our, all of our hard work is is as to the Lord. So anything, any, any writing we do, any studying we do, any preaching we do, it's all as to the Lord. Mm. And, so, and so prayer up front, I think, is really helpful in, in keeping uh, God in the right place as, as far as preaching goes. I love it. And I would go even on the back end of that sermon prep, when you think about simple questions you can ask yourself, like, is Jesus the hero of this story? Mm. It would is, is the gospel shown in each point, if there's X amount of bullet points? Uh, is God honored in this? And there's a humbling effect to that, because you you're su- you can surprise yourself at how far off you can get through sermon prep, um, from exegesis of the text to exegesis of the culture, and you're trying to draw out, you know, these connection points, and to make sure, hey, we're still, we're teaching what God would want us to teach. 
I love it. And as, and as we do this, you know, you and I, uh, the three of us, we have a unique uh, opportunity because we don't preach just once. When we preach for Crosspoint, you have Saturday night, what we have to do, because we're Baptist Catholics, right? <laughs> we have Saturday night mass, but we have to do that because that's when you record it so that at our rural locations, they don't get a stream. They can download it ahead of time. And then we do it twi- two services on Sunday morning, uh, at least at the time of this recording. That, that That's our pattern. And what I find is it's really unique to me. It's It's inspiring to me that I'm preaching maybe the second or third time, and just in that one sermon, there's just this compulsion to share this one thing that you didn't share to any of the others or to say it a little bit differently. And in my mind, I'm always like, Oh, God's using me because I had a plan and we've done the plan twice now, but there's somebody here who needs to hear this and you don't even need to make a big deal out of it. You're just like, thank you, God. I mean, I, I, I'm getting to be used by you. And, And I think that when you feel that sense and you know that God says, twist this, tweak that, do this thing, that you really know that you're you're connecting to him, you're presenting to him, and not just the congregation. Now, that's not to say you don't think about them. We always do. I mean, because you want to connect, you want to make impact. But that goes to the third point then, which is that preaching is precise work. And where does that come from? You need to present yourself to God, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling I love that. No need to be ashamed. You're working well. There's no shame in it. And you are rightly handling. Uh, The word worker is actually the word ergates, which is where we get energy from. So we we actually, I guess, I I, I don't want to offend, but winging it is not appropriate Mm -hmm. if you're going to give the word of God. You know, I'm just going to trust the spirit. Well, the spirit trusted you to prepare, right? And everybody's got different levels, but it takes energy and you have to work. And then the correctly handling uh, is only found um, here uh, in, in, uh, and in Proverbs two places. It literally means to cut straight. So don't take risks with the word of God. Right? Don't don't bend it to your shape. Literally cut straight. So the point of preaching is it is a unique expression because it comes through God, uh, comes through you. It's God's voice through you, but it is presented to Him. It's not necessarily for anyone else, but others can overhear. But it is precise work. You need to use energy and you need to cut it straight. So just ask the question what is prep like for you? If you could summarize your sermon prep as you rightly handle, uh, how long does it take? What do you do? And, uh, and, and how much lead time do you need to prep? Uh, I know for me, it is, uh, probably in the realm of about six hours total, six to eight, depending on the passage. So it's, it's, it's kind of one day it's, it's a work day and it's generally reading the passage, multiple versions and trying to get an understanding, uh, my own understanding of what that, I think that passage is saying. Uh, then I'm going to, uh, read, I have, I have three different commentaries that I, I enjoy. So I'm going to look at those three different commentaries and read what they say. And some of those commentaries are long. And, and so it takes a lot of work. It is work. And, and it's a lot of information. It's like you said, you know, it's, it's, we're sharing just a portion of the information we learn about it. Um, and then I'm generally going to f- try to find, um, I, I got this from you, Andy, just a, a new and an old sermon. If I can, if I and sometimes you can't find it, but if I can find a newer and an older sermon, I'll, I'll just listen to those or read it if I can. Again, just as kind of a, a modern, almost modern commentary or, or an old commentary of what it means. And and then I'm going to just take all that info. And for me, like uh, I, I transcribe manuscript it. So I, then I just sit down and I just start typing. Go for it. So. And you, you can get all that done in about six to eight hours. Yeah. 
Yeah. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I would say probably 12 to 15. I'm not as efficient as Shane, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> and I think it looks a lot like Shane. Um, you're going to have commentary study. A lot of time just spent uh, processing through, whether it's rewriting the passage as well, uh, reading it in different translations, looking up keywords, looking up original language, a uh, variety of commentaries, all of that, and just helping myself to truly like internalize what this means so that if I didn't have notes or I didn't have that I would be able to just share this and um, and, and be confident in that and that's where you got to be careful when it comes to rightly handling the the word of truth here the word of God is recognizing that especially the longer you preach sometimes the sloppier you get mm. in that you know when you first feel the weight and responsibility of preaching there's a seriousness because you don't want to get it wrong the over familiarity is the, a problem yes the over familiarity you find yourself starting to slack a little bit you you rest on your laurels if you're not careful of previous sermon prep and you know that there's each passage um, each passage you preach you could preach it often 10, 15 different ways if you wanted to take nuanced angles and making sure that you're staying true to the original uh, meaning and not just the secondary uh, implications of that passage, but the primary ones. Mm, That is so good. I'm probably in your range about time, but I split that over two to three days, uh, breaking it up. And I use a Logos workflow so that I'm going to come, it's going to drive me to prayer. I'm going to set up a document that I'm going to fill in the blanks. I'm going to read at least 10 different versions of that passage. I'm going to do a commentary study on easy, medium, hard commentary. Uh, I'm going to uh, then do a lexical study or a word study, uh, not on every word, but on the keywords in the passage. Uh, And then I'm going to rewrite it. I'm going to take the passage and I'm going to write it even it won't be as good as any version because I want to use words that are not in the version I'm preaching, but I'll rewrite it just to prove to myself that I understand what it's saying. Then I outline, do argumentation, and let it sit, and uh, then come back to it right before I preach it. And I don't work on illustrations until the day of. I'm gonna I'll give the whole week to collect those, uh, and that takes uh, t- ten or fifteen hours to be for sure, uh, to, and to do that. Now, the longer you preach, I've been preaching thirty years. Shane, you've been preaching five to ten years, right? You've been re- preaching ten, twelve years, something like that. The longer you preach, when I say not winging it. There's actually some advantages to some longevity. Uh, I had to preach for a collegiate challenge group earlier this year, and I was prepped to do something. And when I got there, I was listening to the leader talk to the other leaders about what Andy was going to be talking about that night. That was not what I was going to be talking about that night. And so I went and read the email, and I realized Mm -hmm. that I had not (laughs) followed through on what they asked me to do. And so I'm Kathy goes, she was reading over my shoulder, knew exactly what was going on. She goes, what are you going to do? I go, I got a plan. And a couple of the college students knew what I did because I I asked for my slides back. I gave them new slides. We did all this. Killer of a message. Came off great. Felt really good about it. And Kathy said, did you just... Did you just wing that? I'm like, yeah, I wasn't prepped, but that was a message that I preached years ago. And because I've done that message and because I've been in the Word and because none of those concepts weren't familiar to me, I wasn't winging it. I was depending on what I'd studied before, right? And so when I say winging it, that, that means that you're, you're not giving any effort. But sometimes we can depend on, on where we've been. All right, one last one. The verse, once again, 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling, and then the last four words, rightly handling, the word of truth. The fourth point is this, preaching 
while it is a unique expression of God because it comes to you, it is actually a uniform expression of God because it's always about the truth, the rhema word, right? It is, it is that word of God, it, and it can't have an imitation. Um, Amazon shopping has ruined us for this because we used to be, buy name brand off the store shelf, and if you're not really careful, you think you're buying a, a Sony and you get a Sansui, right? You get something that tries to look like the part. Well, when we are teaching the word of God, it must be his word, can't be our word. And even... Got to be careful not to. One of the reasons that we preach in series, and I'm just confessing this right now, is if we preach topically a lot, I would be so guilty of proof texting because it would be too easy to say, okay, that verse covers this or or that does. But when we preach in series, like through a book, then you're just going to say whatever it's saying there without trying to make it fit something. Uh, and, and that to me is a, a risk I'm not willing to take. It must be the uniform expression of God. If we are not saying what God is saying, preaching should be parroting. It, it's, if it's not the word of God, it's irreverent babble, right? Yeah. So uh, that last part, all these things take place. It's through you. It's a unique expression, but it must be the truth. Uh, and that's always amazed me because I've heard people say early on in our ministry, well, we want to come to this church because you're preaching out of the Bible. If you're a preacher, what else are you preaching from? <laughs> but I think it does happen, right? It does happen. So how important is it that we make sure that that, that last part, that you are preaching the word of truth? This is huge. I think there can be an insecurity in some of us that somehow we've got to spice it up. Mm. We've got to add some flair. We've got to make this look better than it is. But the reality is uh, when you're going verse by verse through books of the Bible, you see just how diverse and holistic and exciting the Word of God is. It hits not only topics that we would never hit, but the way that God speaks is uh, thrilling. It is what people need to hear. It is cutting. And so the longer you go uh, in preaching, you realize that the stuff you add, the fluff, um, it doesn't do anything to the soul. Uh, mm. It wastes some people's time, maybe. It makes you feel like you're adding something, but you don't need to add. Mm. And so dealing with that insecurity and recognizing God's word is good enough, and it's better than good enough, and resting in that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we talked about last time trying to hit, uh, hit a home run every time, and I think that's where we, we, when we try to do, uh, outdo ourselves, is where we can get in this trap of, of, of trying to add something that seems unique to the passage that no one else has ever pointed out. And I think if no one else has ever pointed it out, then you're probably wrong. You're probably not in the right camp there. <laughs> and right. so, and so, I think uh, that idea of of just staying true to the text and don't feel like you have to perform for the people or give them something they've never heard before because that's where you start straying outside the bounds of Scripture, I think. 100%. So good, guys. I remember as a, as a seminary student learning to preach, and I, I learned to preach in Fort Worth where seminary professors would sometimes show up. And so it was a little intimidating, but nothing was intimidating as uh, the Reverend Mayhillen Trimble. She was a retired um, uh, woman from a, a church down the road and she had just ended up there. She was the sweetest thing in the world. Just, but, but she was not afraid to tell you what, what was and what wasn't. And I can't tell you how many times we got done with a message and you know, the greeter line when everybody comes by to say, good job, pastor, or, love you. And, and you know, we need to go out to eat this and that. I can't tell you how many times that Reverend Mayhill and Trimble would pass by and go, that was an excellent passage. 
<laughs> and that's when I knew at least I picked a good verse. <laughs> at least I picked a good verse. Uh, and that was what was most important. Amen and amen. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Uh, I actually have a blog written on this. It was picked up by Baptist Press. Uh, I'm going to put in the show notes a link to that for a continued discussion on this. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you with us, and I hope you've enjoyed uh, being a part of this community. The rural pastors of America love you for uh, pouring into them, and and it's been a a blessing. Can uh, can I reserve the right to bring you back for some future topics? Of course. Sounds good. Awesome, man. Uh, We've been uh, together. My name's Andy Addis. This is Ryan Booth and Shane Marks, and we are the teaching team at Crosspoint Church out of Hutchinson, Kansas, and many communities throughout as a rural multi-site. We are just thankful to be able to offer this to you. And if you need any more information or we can do anything for you, don't hesitate to get in touch. We love you. We're proud of you. and We're so thankful God's using you. We'll see you next time on the Rural Pastor Podcast. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope to that church on the corner of that forgotten little town to a room of empty pews where his love can still be found you may never know of all the seeds you sown but it just takes one willing soul to make him know Thank you so much for joining us at the RuralPastorPodcast.com. A special thanks to Chosen Road for this incredible theme music, to 180 Digital, our corporate sponsor, and you can check out both of them at our website as well as other resources because you're not alone. And Rural Pastor, we believe in you at the RuralPastorPodcast.com.